This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's Jan and you are listening to the Langpreneur podcast. Now, it's good that you're listening because in today's podcast interview, we are talking to Shona Beckwith from the blog Perfect English Grammar. Um, she started this blog back in 2007 and um, yeah, she actually used it as a platform to publish lesson materials for her students because she was working as an English teacher at the time. Um, so in the beginning, it was really just for her students, but the website got quickly picked up by Google. And today, Shona gets between one and two million website visitors per month. And for those who are not very familiar with numbers, a mil- getting a million viewers on your blog, is that's really a lot. So yeah, obviously, Shona is making a very, um, a very good living of her blog um, for herself, but also for her family, of course. And yeah, in today's interview, we're really going to take a look behind the scenes of the business. Um, how did she get started? What were some of the things, some of the actions that she took that really contributed to her uh, to her success today and um yeah we, we're going to learn about lots of things uh, so this podcast is really for everyone who wants to build a blog or who's just interested in getting their entrepreneurial mindset because we're going to talk about a lot about mindset as well when shona started she was an english teacher but now she sees herself rather as a business person um so we're also going to talk about how she managed to make that mind shift and how you can do the same, how you can become a successful language entrepreneur. And in this case, more specifically, we're going to talk about how you can do that with blogging. But before we get started with the podcast interview, I have a question for you. What are you going to do by the end of March? Because on March 28 and 29, me and Oli are organizing a workshop called Langpreneur Business Breakthrough and we are really going to show you, we're going to teach you everything you need in order to create your own wildly successful online language business in 2020. The event is going to take place in Berlin. Um, As I said, it's going to be a small event. Um, uh, It's going to be a combination of group sessions and coaching sessions by Oli, the man himself, uh, the man behind our teacher language. He actually built up his own language business um, from the ground. He started with zero revenue, but these days he's doing more than a million per year and most of that is profit. So you're really going to learn from the best. Um, yeah, a few of the things that we're going to cover. You're going to learn about email marketing, finding a good niche, how to write um, how to write good copy, how to create conversions, sorry, how to create websites or sales pages that convert. Um, we're going to talk about all those things, which platform that you should choose, a blog, YouTube, Instagram, should you go for podcasting? Um, there's lots to cover. And yeah, the aim for us is really that you go home with a clear idea, with a clear blueprint for bringing your business to the next level so an exclusive event make sure to check it out go to our website langpreneur.com for more information and very important make sure that you book your tickets before the end of this month the end of january because the ticket price is going to double after um after this month okay 
well. Then let's get started with the interview. Here's my interview with Shona Beckwith. Hello, Shona. Welcome here on the Langpreneur podcast. How are you doing today? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Good. Well, life is uh, pretty good here in uh, Belgium, but you know, as always, a uh, little bit similar to the UK. To the UK. Lots of rain, but uh, summer is almost there. So, <laughs> yeah, Shona, let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, uh, about you. Could you introduce yourself to the people who don't know you? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm Shona. Uh, I'm from the UK, originally from Scotland, and I run uh, a website which is called Perfect English Grammar, uh, which helps learners of English improve their grammar. Mm -hmm. So, tell us a little bit about how you got started, because you're doing this for quite a while now, right? Like, what did the internet look like, like 10 years ago, or when you got started? When was it exactly? Yeah, it was actually, so I, I bought my domain and put up the first pages in October 2007. 2007? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, things were pretty different then. Yeah. Um, you didn't really, I think WordPress existed, but it wasn't widely used. Um, everything was was mm -hmm. a little bit more complicated. Mm -hmm. So you run Perfect English Grammar, a website where you help people with their grammar in English. Yeah, uh, obviously. Um, how did you get to the idea? Do you have a background in languages or like how do you get started? Yeah, so um, so yes, I mean, I studied linguistics. Uh, I was teaching English as a foreign language. Um, I did that in Japan, in South Korea, um, because, you know, it's a wonderful thing to move around the world with. And then I came back to London and I was also teaching in a language school. Uh, with you know with real students um, and I was doing quite a lot of private lessons uh, as well just you know going around the city going to people's offices or in cafes or whatever mm -hmm. and I thought it would be cool to start a website um, really to learn about how websites worked mm -hmm. more than anything just as a almost a hobby project yeah. and I put my own grammar worksheets up on the website for my own students. Oh, really? So, so you um, were, working, were you working as a full-time teacher at the time or was this like you were freelancing or what was... Yeah, so I, I would think at that time I was doing a mixture of freelancing and working in a language school. Okay, I see. Um, and it was mainly because uh, the freelancing was going into a different part of London, into, you know, the, the city of London where the offices are yeah. um, and teaching people there. And often what would happen is you'd have a conversation lesson at the end of the lesson, you'd say, oh, you need to practice, I don't know, the third conditional or whatever. Yeah. And, of course, I wouldn't have brought that thing with me. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, before the lesson, we didn't know yeah. that the person wanted to practice that. So then once it was on the Internet, I could say, look, here's my website. You need to practice this thing. Right. Um, so in the beginning, so you really it, use it as a tool for yourself and then your students, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so... It was, I mean, I, can't, I thought it would be cool if other people came to it, but yeah. it wasn't, like, I wasn't really expecting that to happen. So when did you realize that more people were actually searching for these, for this, for these materials? Yeah, so reasonably quickly, mm -hmm. I got, you know, a few hundred visitors, say. Yeah. How many visitors do you have today, if you don't mind sharing? So now I have 
generally between one and two million. One and two million. I think there's, yeah. you know, there's number is crazy. And I still remember, you know, when we met the first time, you actually came to one of our, to our very first Langplaner Mastermind, which we didn't have a name for at the time. And uh, yeah. we were doing these hot seat sessions, just sharing a story for the listeners. And uh, Shauna was explaining like the challenges that she was facing in her business. And someone asked her, but how many visitors do you have then? And she said, yeah, one or two million. I said, what? <laughs> two, two million. <laughs> so I guess the first, um, I guess the first question that someone would have when they, they, they see that you have this amount of, of, of traffic is uh, how do you do it? And I think, you know, as you just mentioned yourself, I think, um, one way to do it, one way you manage to do this, just by starting out very early, right, 13, 13 years ago. Um, yeah. Are there some other strategies that you have used? I mean, have you been, I guess you've been consistent, but have you, do like, have you done like keyword research or was it just you were the first one and you just kept doing it really consistently and that's what made you so big? Or what do you think were some of the factors that, so, yeah. To be, to be honest, it's really hard to say, right? Yeah. Um, but I think there is... I did do keyword research right at the beginning. Oh, you did? Um, so I actually got quite into that. And oh, some really? of my first successes were with um, were with keywords that, you know, there was high demand and low supply. Mm -hmm. um, so the first page that ever took off was a page about stative verbs. Mm -hmm. uh, and that got onto the front page of Google. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember that happening. It was quite a decent change mm -hmm. um, in how the you know, everything went with the website. Uh, and that was because I'd managed to get the keyword. Yeah. Um, so I did pay attention to keywords at the beginning, though I haven't really in the last, say, five years or so. Mm -hmm. um, and I did also publish very consistently. Yeah. Um, I tried very hard to publish useful things. Yeah. And I think also, firstly, there, there is luck involved. Mm -hmm. And secondly, it does help if you want really big numbers to write about English yeah. because there's just such a huge market for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not like, it's obviously not necessary to have such big numbers, uh, but I think it's much, much harder with, with more, with smaller niches. Yeah. Where are most of your students from or most of the website visitors? Is, are these like places like, like India or, I mean, where do people want to learn English? Where? Yeah, so it's quite spread, um, and at different times it's been different places. So mm. for a while, uh, the Spanish-speaking world um, was my biggest area of the world by yeah. far. Yeah. Um, Mexico is still very high. Mm -hmm. uh, now more places like India, Vietnam, uh, and Russia are coming up, but it, it changes quite a bit. Um, mm which is, is really interesting. And it's not, it's not like one country is miles ahead. So there's a really good spread of where people come from. Yeah. So you started out, you saw that you were gaining some traction, you were getting more and more website traffic. When is actually the moment where you realized, hey, I might have a business here? Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a few years, two, three years probably after I started, um, I... I so I've tried various ways of of turning the the content site into a business, but I I put some AdSense adverts up, mm -hmm. um, and suddenly 
you know, at the time I was earning what? Twenty pounds an hour, probably even less. Yeah. Fifteen pounds an hour doing um English teaching. And yeah. suddenly, you know, I made a hundred dollars or whatever. Uh on your website. Oh. Yeah, from the adverts. Oh, I see from that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was like really startling. Yeah. Um so that was certainly one of the moments that was really pivotal in me thinking, Oh yeah, this this could be something. Yeah. So how do you learn more about online business? I mean, we are talking about nine years ago, right? So internet marketing, online marketing, this wasn't huge. It was no social media yet. Or I think they, well, I think they were just coming up. Um, yeah. So what, what do you do after turning on um, that, you know, after monetizing your website through AdSense? Were you like very strategic about it? Or like were you actively looking for ways to monetize your blog? Or were you just trying different things? Yeah, I would like to say that it was strategic, but that is not true. Um, <laughs> at that time, also, so I've had my, I've had my website for a lot of years, but for some of those years, I wasn't focusing on it because um, I did a full-time master's, and then immediately after that, I had a baby, and then I had another baby. Yeah. So there was a chunk of time in the middle there where I did continue to post. Yeah. Um, but really I just left the adverts up and yeah. let it run. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't focus on it very much. Mm. Um, but after that I started, so this was maybe 2011 or 12. Mm -hmm. Um, I then started to focus on it more. I published an ebook, then I published a book on Amazon in 2013. And that was when I started to really look around, take courses, speak to people, try to, yeah, try to see what I could do because I, I'd come to the point where I, I'd managed to create an audience, but I really didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. When was the moment you decided to quit your job and uh, go full time on, on this? Oh yeah, so this was a, this was a really wonderful moment because, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, at the time I was at home with two very young children mm -hmm. um, and so my husband and I we'd agreed that I would quit my job and stay at home with the children until mm. they were school age um, yeah. for people not in the UK we don't have free childcare for, yeah. for young children it's quite expensive yeah. compared to my old job as an English teacher in a language school it was not worthwhile yeah. to pay for two sets of full time yeah. childcare um, so I wasn't working. I was working on the, on the blog very patchily in the, you know, in my free time. Um, but then we decided, me and my husband, that I should go back to work when my daughter, who's the youngest one, went to school, mm -hmm. uh, which is age four in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, I really didn't want to go and get a job again. Yeah. So uh, I set a goal that I would match my old teacher salary before she was school Whoa. age. That's a clear uh, target. That was a target. <laughs> I mean, my teacher salary was not huge, yeah. it has to be said. But, you know, it's still, it's still like kind of making a living, right? Yeah. Um, How much were you so, making at the time, like when you set that goal for yourself? Was it still a few hundred euros per month or, yes, or pounds, exactly. sorry, in your yes, case? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it was like maybe I was getting three, four, five hundred pounds okay. and I needed, I basically needed to treble that. Yeah. To, yeah. 
Um, and that worked. So that was amazing. So what did you do? And how long did it take? Yeah. Um, so really what I did then was I... I uh, yeah, I, I focused a lot more on list building. I published a lot oh. more articles to increase the traffic. Yeah. And um, I started selling... Uh, like little, p honestly, PDF eBooks and things like that to yeah. the people on my email list. Yeah. So you you already had a lot of traffic, and you just focus on getting even more traffic by being more consistent, publishing more articles, and at the same time also capturing the email addresses, building a mailing list so that you actually have a platform to to pitch your courses, to to sell your courses, right? That's right. Though at that time I didn't really have any courses. Um, yeah. It was just a few eBooks, and I was still making the bulk of my money from advertising. Yeah. So that's why increasing the traffic at that time was still helpful yeah. Um, yeah over the last few years you have also been attending um, many conferences events summits also mastermind groups can you tell us a little bit more about what you learned there like how did like what have you learned over the over the last few years um, tell us a little bit about the, like the learning journey that you've been on for the last what, yeah. last six seven years like when when did you start to actively go out there going to events connecting to other people I, with online I think, businesses yeah i think the first proper course i took was in 2014 hmm. but i didn't start actually going to events until about 2017 16 mm -hmm. 2017 mm -hmm. um except for a few meetups in london mm -hmm. um goodness i feel like I'm an utterly different person. Um, <laughs> so tell us, tell us about the Shauna before that moment and, and <laughs> afterwards and like the transition you, you went through. What were like some of the lessons you've learned? We are ready. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think just a really big one for me was that I, I completely did not think about myself as a business person. I didn't think I understood marketing. I didn't understand how to sell, how to deal with um, an audience, how to make things that people really wanted that were useful for them. Mm -hmm. um, I very much still thought of myself as a teacher um, and all the business stuff was this big scary monster. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know anyone who who did anything like this. Mm -hmm. um, and the the change has been excellent like it's it's obviously wonderful to get practical information mm -hmm. um and i've taken plenty of online courses and read books for that but the thing about connecting in person is like it seems like such a simple thing but it's been really huge the idea when you meet people who've done the thing you want to do that then you feel like it's mm. possible for you exactly. to do it too yeah um you also get like the kind of conversations you have at events with people, sometimes you get ideas that are different from the kind of ideas that you get from watching a course because the course is very generic, mm. whereas when you speak to someone who's kind of doing a similar thing to what you do, mm. um, they might say, oh, but how about that thing, which is really specific to your business. Mm. Um, so it's that kind of stuff's been really helpful too. But a lot of it has just been meeting people who do the same kind of thing that I want to do, feeling like I'm not crazy, mm -hmm. um, feeling like it's possible. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you don't want to, it's very hard to convince yourself to put in all the work, all the, you know, learn the things, do all the stuff you have to do. Yeah. 
if you're not convinced that you're really that there's at least a chance that you'll have a great outcome right yeah do you, may have, do you maybe have a few tips for those people? You know, because many of our listeners actually, they, you know, they might have a blog, they have some traffic, or maybe they work as a teacher um, doing online tutoring, um, all, that, all, those, all those kind of things. That's something that's working, but they, you know, did not really see themselves as a, as a business person. Um, you know, as you said, it's very important to connect to people, um, to go to these events, like how do you get started? Did you look for local events first? I mean, you, you live in London, so I guess it's easy to maybe find people who are doing that in your own city. Um, where do you get started? Do you maybe have some tips for people listening to this who want to, who want to connect to like-minded people and learn about you know, becoming a business person, I would say? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that is massively easier now uh, than it was a few years ago and it gets easier all the time. Um, I did go to some events in London, but I, uh, I had the most success with finding people in Facebook groups oh, really? and then meeting up with them in real life yeah. uh, later because I found that if you go to, well, I mean, it depends on your city and there may be better things now, mm-hmm. um, but I found that when you go to an event for entrepreneurs, either it's people who... Uh, you know, are looking for VC funding, uh, mm-hmm. this kind of thing, um, and or it's it's hard to find the right level of thing mm-hmm. uh, because entrepreneur is such a huge word. Yeah. Um, whereas if you meet people in a Facebook group, um, you can kind of understand quite quickly if they're at the right level for you and the right you know, have similar similar goals. Mm-hmm. And then if you meet those people in real life, that can be really wonderful. Yeah. What kind of events are we talking about here? Are these like small meetup groups or, I mean, you've been to our events as well, of course, but can, can you give us some of the names of the events that you have attended and that you feel have helped you? Yeah, sure. So I've been to loads of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I've been to both your retreats, <laughs> which are wonderful. <laughs> Um, and I went to your event in Berlin, which is wonderful. Um, I so at the very beginning, um, I there's a a guy called Ramit Sethi who has a blog. I was in a Facebook group for people who read his blog. Uh, one of his things that he talks about is online business, so I met with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first kind of putting my foot in the water mm-hmm. um that was good uh later i met some people who were doing lab stuff mm-hmm. uh also in london and that was because of actually a polyglot event and then uh among those people there were people who also had language businesses yeah. uh, like ollie yeah so i met ollie that was um that was really good uh and then I'm also a member of a group uh, called the Dynamite Circle, which mm-hmm. is for uh, location independent entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has also been fabulous. And I go to a lot of like conferences and also small meetups for them too. Yeah. Now, can you tell us, share with us some of the lessons that you have learned going to these events and connecting to people who are running similar kinds of businesses? Um, yeah. What are some of the mind shifts that, or the, sh- the shifts that you had to make in your mindset? in order to become who you are now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, 
I think just feeling that I had something to offer that I could do it mm-hmm. has been the biggest shift. And I think when you go to these kind of things and people encourage you, people take you seriously, um, people have practical tips for you that can really increase your the speed at which you're moving. Like if you had to learn it by yourself, it would take you so much longer. But somebody who knows what they're doing can just step in and say, do that thing mm-hmm. <laughs> or how about this thing? Mm-hmm. Um that's really been helpful, but I think it has been mostly that it's possible to make a good living online. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see people doing it, it's so much easier to really understand that it's true. Whereas when you see people online doing it, you think, well, is that person really making a good living? Yeah. You know, it's always hard to tell. Whereas you've met them in person, you, you know, you hang out together, you can be very confident that people really do mm-hmm. live the kind of lives um, that you want to live. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's been excellent. Mm-hmm. Do you have a few tips for people who are just starting out there who have a language blog and they do not really know how to turn it into into a business? Like you've been doing this for so long now, you have lots of traffic, um, you also have a good revenue every month. Um, like what, what are the most important things for those who just get started or those who have some traffic but do not really have a business yet? I think the most important thing, and this, again, so much of this stuff seems simple, but is actually, mm-hmm. you know, it's really hard to get caught up in in being complicated, um, is to really, you know, speak to your visitors, find out what it is they need, make something useful for them mm-hmm. um, that really helps people, yeah. and try to be fairly clear about what that thing is. Mm-hmm. How do you find out what your audience wants? Like, do you survey them? Do you talk to them one-on-one? How do you... How you I've that? certainly done both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's... As soon as you have an email list, it's really wonderful to ask people, you know, at the bottom of your emails, say, what can I help you with? Mm-hmm. What, are your, what are you struggling with right now? Um, and then get into a, a, you know, a dialogue with that person. Yeah. Um, but also, for me, for example, when I wrote articles that weren't about grammar, um, they didn't do so well. So I focused more on the grammar because it was clear that my visitors, when they came, yeah. uh, they went to the grammar articles, they asked me questions about yeah. grammar. You know, I, I moved in that direction mm-hmm. um, in response to yeah. uh what people did yeah. it's all about finding your niche right and we also talked about this here on the podcast with uh, with ollie was also the one thing that he recommended for people who want to get started find your niche look for something that you could potentially do better than anyone else in the world and you started 13 yeah. years ago so you had like a bigger uh, you had a bigger choice but yeah even you you know you could have said i'm going to teach english but instead you say no yeah. i teach english grammar that's what i i guess that's what you like as well right what you're passionate about that's what you're good at and that's the, th- the one thing that you can do better than anyone else in the world so yeah just uh, another confirmation confirmation that it's uh, important to to choose um a niche okay so you have this blog you have all this traffic how do you actually monetize your blog the big question yeah, so um, I've actually in the last three years tried a couple of different things for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there's never, you know, you keep evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a while I was doing a membership. 
where I put lots of extra material into a separate site that was password protected and people paid a monthly fee mm-hmm. um, for that material. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, I've shifted away from that and I'm now selling standalone courses. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, why did so you do that? Sorry, why, why did you uh, why did you decide to move away from memberships and uh, sell courses instead? So memberships have lots of pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I decided that for me and for my audience, mm-hmm. there were two main reasons. One is that I think it's nice. I think it's nice with languages to have a start and a finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get into a membership, it's quite like you just keep going forever. Yeah. Um, and in a sense, that's obviously excellent as a business because you're kind of stable. But yeah. um, the courses, I think, have this kind of clear end goal for the student, yeah. which which I felt was more what I wanted to mm-hmm. help, help people reach. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that for memberships, it's it's hard to take a break from writing content really. Um, and it's when you're making courses, you make, you know, you make your course and then you can have some time off before you make the next course. Whereas with memberships, you feel that there always needs to be at least a little bit that's new for the students. Um, which can get tiring basically. (laughs) Um, so, those were the the two reasons. I would say probably the first reason was bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both can work. And I think partly because my niche is grammar, um, you kind of feel that people want to, you learn it once and then you move up to the next level. Whereas yeah. if you were doing um, something different, like, uh, you know, an article a week or something, then um, it might be, a membership might fit better with what your students wanted yeah i can imagine that it might also be easier to sell if it's just a course instead of a membership right because there is a there is a clear end goal like if you buy this course this is what you're going to learn and within three months you should be able to go through all these modules and that's a result so then you are selling a result um yeah i think that's yeah definitely yeah yeah on the other hand i think you know memberships i think people often also want to be part of a community um yeah well, well in terms of profitability do you find that selling courses you know with a one-time one-time payment is um, more profitable as well i have found that yes yeah yeah okay how much are you uh, how much are you charging for your courses for my courses so it varies from um about twelve dollars up well no that's a mini a mini thing <laughs> um yeah. most of them are either 30 or about 100 yeah dollars yeah Mm-hmm. Now, a few weeks ago, I had the Johan on the podcast here from Francais Authentique, and he has a big audience from Morocco. Yes. And in the beginning, you know, many people you know, might have a blog and they see that most of that traffic comes from countries that, you know, are not in the West and not the US, Europe or Australia. And they're wondering, yeah. uh, you know, and they, they, they say, sorry, I can't sell my courses for, I don't know, $100 because my students cannot afford that. Because they are from, I don't know, India, Pakistan, uh, other countries that are not so developed yet. What would you yep. say to those people? Do, do so you find have, that that's true? Or? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the main, my main buyers are from Western countries. Okay. Um, particularly Western Europe. Um, 
so that is true, though it's not the case that nobody buys mm -hmm. from other countries. Yeah. Um, in the sense of serving people, mm -hmm. I like to think about it as the people who are able to afford to buy the courses are essentially subsidizing all my free information for mm -hmm. people who are in countries yeah. who don't have credit cards, mm -hmm. um, which is the thing I quite like. I mm -hmm. like being able to have a lot of free information on the web mm -hmm. um, for anybody. Mm -hmm. um, uh, certainly for English teaching, I think that you will, I mean, it's natural to get a lot of people from countries who are not going to be able to buy often, even if your stuff is a lot cheaper mm -hmm. um, because they don't have the kind of infrastructure to buy online. Yeah. Um, in which case, I certainly just revise my numbers down a little bit so mm -hmm. I don't expect to have quite the the conversion rates perhaps of somebody yeah. whose yeah. main audience is in the US. So, so you say that, that most of your customers are or at least live in Western countries. I think another reason for that could be that foreigners or people from outside of Europe who've, de who've moved to Europe, they are the ones who yes. really need to learn English, right? So they have a big pain point and they're willing to pay for a solution to solve. Absolutely, problem. and I have I have a lot of buyers from who live, who I are not from, yeah. um, who live in the US, Canada, yeah. Australia, and the UK. Yeah. So, for example, we sell a lot of um, at language boost. We we like one of the languages that we are offering is Thai, and yeah. almost everyone who buy, buys our courses are Western people living in Thailand. But yeah. also, like for our Spanish courses, there's many people from the UK, for example, who live in who live in Spain, and they right. buy yeah. our courses as well. So that might be. Another, another reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a bit about your, like the 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 impact that building this business had made in your personal life. Like, how cool was it when you could show your husband, here it is. I've made my salary, but this time I did it myself. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Share it with us. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear oh. it? I mean, having your own business is like not having a job is just so good. Um, so uh, I have kids. I can pick up my kids. Um, I don't ever have to have to deal with with, <laughs> with somebody's nonsense. Um, <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> uh, it's. You know, I, I organize my time how I like. So, for example, I like to get up early. So this morning, you know, I'd done a couple of hours of work before the kids were up. Then I was able to have breakfast with them, take them to school. Um, it's really often the case that I pick them up or else my husband does. Um, you know, during the school holidays, I have all this free time for them. Um, or I can have all this free time for them if I organize myself. Um, because how much I work really depends on on what I want to do that month and that's yeah. obviously up to me. Yeah. Um, I also, I love, I just love being able to to work hard on something and for to have such direct results. So both financially, mm -hmm. but also, you know, touch the lives of people very directly. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh man, I think I'm pretty much unemployable now mm -hmm. and I don't think I'll ever not have my own business. It's hard to go back, right? I've never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is your husband yeah. still working full time? He well, he works a little bit less than full time now. 
Um, And I'm very hopeful that this will become even less uh, in 2020. It's one of my big goals. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really inspiring story that you're sharing here. You know, working as a freelance English teacher and then have two children and then, you know, just being able to build a business by yourself turn it into a full-time, well, it's not really a full-time job, but at least get a full-time income of it. And oh, yeah. then eventually even, you know, have your husband work less because you're able to provide for the whole family. Well, that's, I think, a, a huge example for all those people out there who want to build something something similar. Um, yeah, so, yeah, any other tips for, for people who want to do what you do? What are, the, like, some of the biggest lessons that you have learned in, the, let's say, the last, the last three years? going to all these events, learning about online business and uh, interacting with your audience? Yeah. Um, yeah. Diff- always think, difficult questions, right? But <laughs> <laughs> my task is to it, come up with difficult questions. <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, it, yeah. there's lots, basically. Um, I think. I think it depends on the kind of person that you are, but yeah. for me... Definitely, the biggest things have not been the practical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, you know, there's so much information now online. I think pretty much anyone can learn, or certainly, you know, it's you can have the opportunity to learn the practical things that you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it, the shift into the idea that it's possible for me to do this yeah. um, has definitely been... Mm-hmm. the biggest the biggest deal um and i think for some people that is making that shift will be a bigger deal than learning the the practical things um in terms of practical things i think getting really clear on what i'm offering has mm-hmm. been the biggest mm-hmm. drive of uh of profitability but also of i think usefulness for the students mm-hmm. um and i I think you sometimes need to go around in circles for a little while before you find that thing. But um, being really, really clear about how you can help people mm-hmm. uh, is super useful. Yeah. So can you give an example of how you, you know, how, have you, how you've got this clarity and um, created a product based on the feedback that you got from your audience? Yeah. So I think one of the things about my membership was that I was trying a little bit too much to be all things to all people mm-hmm. um, and I think that is even though my niche is already reasonably clear with grammar yeah. I was trying to you know do all the levels and then people were like oh can you do a bit of mm. um, you know something else that's not grammar and I'm like yeah yeah, yeah I can do that and mm. we're gonna have videos on this and that and mm-hmm. um, that I think was one of the problems with the membership uh, mm-hmm. that it wasn't really clear mm-hmm. um, what you needed to do and now I do courses that have a very definite start point and end point so yeah. for um, very specific levels or what, what would exactly. be a, what would be an end point for example yeah so for example I have a course that's a1 grammar okay so in the course you cover everything that yeah. you need in that um, and I have a course I have a couple of courses um, about phrasal verbs and for yeah. example the idea is you start here, and at the end, you know this mm-hmm. um, really clearly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's useful because people know what they're getting uh, when they want to buy it. But I also think it's it's useful because they 
you know, they they want the result and they can achieve the result in mm-hmm. a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can imagine people thinking, um, you know, maybe they want to do something similar. They have a they have a fairly big audience in a sp- in a certain niche. Um, yeah. And, if, and you know, you can either make one specific course for a very specific uh, avatar or how could I call it, persona, as a customer yeah. with a specific problem, but then you're not going to be able to to sell something to 80% of, of your audience, right? Yeah. Would it be an idea here to first create a general product and then talk to your audience and then create a specific course based on the feedback that you get or what would you recommend people who just start out to do? Goodness, this is a really hard thing because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, basically, I don't know mm. uh, because I, it depends so much on yeah. your audience and your niche. Yeah. Um, and obviously, what quite a lot of people do in the language learning space is create a how to learn a language course and yeah. then mm. do something more specific afterwards. Yeah. Um, and maybe that works well for for some niches and probably less well for others. Yeah. Um, I think. In general, it is easier to sell and easier to deliver a result if yeah. it's really, really specific. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, it is kind of frustrating if you if you can't. Yeah. Maybe also something to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it also depends on your resources. Like, for example, if yeah. you ha- if you already have many blog posts or m- many content um to learn a specific level or sp- to learn a specific feature in uh, of english grammar then it could be relatively easy to turn that into a course and then directly s- start selling specific courses um yeah um, yeah like a language yeah. boost for example we have never sold uh, a general language learning course because we have always been very passionate about languages and we've always been very good at course creation so that's what we yeah. have done from the beginning so yeah maybe it also depends on on, on, on what you like, what you're good at, and uh, which assets or, you know, what, what kind of yeah. content that you already have. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but I do, I mean, certainly for me, having more than one course has been very useful. And every time I add a course, things get better. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. Well, I think we're coming to an end of uh, the interview here with uh, Shauna Beckwith. Um, Shauna, any other like last tips, recommendations, any other things that you want to share with other Langpreneurs out there who are trying to 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 build a business? Final recommendation: Go to events, <laughs> start learning. Don't be afraid. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's possible. It's possible, and. Yeah. People want to pay you for lovely things that you, lovely, useful things that you create for them. Mm-hmm. It's okay to ask people to pay. Um, and, you know, really deliver something useful. That's, mm-hmm. that's a good thing to do. Um, I think some people do, do struggle with that. Yeah, well, great. Shona, thank you for being here with us on the podcast. And, um, yeah, if people want to know more about you, your website, where can they go? Yeah, so my website is perfectenglishgrammar.com uh, with hyphens, but if you type in Perfect English Grammar, you will find it. Um, if So that is purely purely grammar, purely for English learners and English teachers, really. Um, I also have a personal Instagram, which is Shona Beckwith, uh, where I do a little bit more about travel and entrepreneurship. Cool. Shona, thanks, and um, well, hopefully see you soon. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. 
Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.